the feast of the baptism, it's hard not to focus on John the Baptist. I love John the Baptist, I've told you that before. I think he's an incredible character. And we get a new facet to his whole life today. Something that I don't know for sure, but I'm pretty sure about, based on his father, is that John the Baptist was a priest. John the Baptist was a temple priest. We know that his father was a temple priest, Zechariah. If you know from the story in Luke's Gospel where Zechariah enters into the temple to burn incense before the Holy of Holies, and that during that time the angel of the Lord appears to him and says that his wife in her old age will conceive and they will bear a son and they shall name him John. He will precede Jesus. What some, first of all, what's interesting to note about this is that Zechariah was one of 800 temple priests. There were 800 of them at the time that he lived. And the way that they were chosen to go in and burn incense was through lots. They were chosen by chance. Put all the names into a hat, pick one out. And Zechariah was chosen. What's interesting about that is it's probably the only time in his entire life that Zechariah was chosen. This happened once a year. They went in before the Holy of Holies to burn incense. Well, do the math. If it's once a year, average person is a temple priest for about 30 years, that means you've got 30 chances out of 800 to be chosen to go in and do something like this. So it was a great joy for Zechariah. So he was already having a big day because he got to go in and do this for the first time ever in his life. And at the same time, he also has this angel appear to him. And this son that he would have would be John the Baptist. And so it was evident that John wouldn't have known about the temple laws. He would have known about the rituals. He would have known the centrality and the power of the temple in all Jewish people's lives. And the priesthood would have been a family affair. He certainly would have gone to the temple many times with his father. And probably because from generation to generation he was in line with the, the Levites he probably would have been a temple priest. So the problem that comes about is why do we find John first, when he first appears on the scene, why is he in the desert? Why isn't he in the temple? That's where he should be. Because he's doing a function of the temple priest. He is baptizing. See, many people think that baptism has come up by Christians, that we invented this whole thing, but we didn't. It's a Jewish ritual. The mikvah, which is called the sacred bath, is what all pilgrims, all pilgrims that came to Jerusalem on the great feast had to pass through this cleansing of water before they entered into the temple. And the high priest, and before he entered into the Holy of Holies, had to, had to go through seven baths. I'm glad that's not the case today. Because we enter into the Holy of Holies right here, and we only have to go through it once, through baptism. And the whole reason is because of what Jesus Christ did on the day of his baptism. John teaches us a whole plethora of lessons in what he's doing. He's doing what he should be doing in the temple. Why? Because he is preparing people for a new temple. You know, all the prophets, because we have to remember, John, maybe, yes, he, he might have been a priest. I don't know. I'm making that assumption. So don't go out and say he was, because I don't know. I'm just making that assumption. He probably was, because his father was. If he was, it doesn't matter, because... Primarily, John the Baptist is a prophet. John the Baptist is the last of the prophets. He also carries out his priestly function of baptism, or sacred washing, if you will. But he's a prophet first, and that's why he's not in the temple. 
Because prophets were never in the temple. Prophets were always outside the temple because of all the corruption in the temple. And we know for a fact that John the Baptist, during his time, the temple was fully corrupt. It was in a me- It was in shambles. Just because of the same thing that Jesus, right? Jesus and John the Baptist are contemporaries. John the Baptist says the Pharisees and the Sadducees are all crazy. Jesus says the Pharisees and Sadducees are all crazy. Jesus goes before the temple and says, In three days, I will destroy this temple. In three days, I will rebuild it. And that's probably, folks, why he was killed, by the way. Because the temple was the very heart and center of everything. It's where God dwelt. And so for John the Baptist to be outside of Jerusalem saying, Receive this baptism, this sacred washing, to enter into the new temple. It's no wonder the the Jewish authorities were angry. What's he talking about? He should be in the temple, and he's not. What John is doing is he's saying, there is a new temple coming. Like all the prophets said. Not made by human hands. A new holy of holies. A new way of worship. And then, and then, Jesus himself enters into the waters. Why is that so significant? Well, because Jesus, as he enters into the waters of the Jordan, is acting as high priest. See, for us, it doesn't mean a lot. But for the ancient Jewish people, it meant a ton. That if Jesus was the Messiah, the high priest of high priests, and all these people were going through the sacred washing out in the desert, that something new had come. Something very new. But here's the difference. Here's the difference. In the temple, the people that came in went through the one sacred bath, and then they entered into the temple. The high priest was in a whole separate area, a whole separate place. He's the only one that got to go into the Holy of Holies. That's not the case anymore. Jesus goes down into the muddy waters of the Jordan with all of us. Because he's saying, I am the high priest, and I am on par with you and you with me through this baptism. And in this baptism, something happens. The heavens are torn open. It says heaven opened up. Now, for me as a kid, I remember when I heard this story. I would always sit back and I thought, wow, everybody there would have saw the sky rip open and a dove cruising down and sits on Jesus' shoulder or his head or just floats above him, you know, showering light. And then there's this great voice that says, this is my beloved son. I don't think that's what happened. If you read the gospel, it says this. Jesus went down into the waters of the Jordan, was baptized, and as he came up, as he came up, he saw heaven open, and he saw the dove descend upon him, and he heard the Father say, this is my beloved Son, whom I will. Jesus is the only one that heard it. Maybe John the Baptist. Everybody else just looked like a common, just looked like another guy. But in that, something incredibly powerful happens. You see, there's all this symbolism. And it was hard for me to write this homily because it's try- I'm trying to stay, you know, focused. But it's hard because there's so much going on in this gospel. When it says heaven is torn open, it's the exact same word that's used somewhere else. When something else is torn in two, ripped apart, it's at the crucifixion. The veil of the temple rent in two as Jesus dies on the cross. It's to show us that all this, the whole Christian life begins at baptism. That's when heaven is opened up for us because the high priest has joined himself to us. Heaven opens 
We're not in it, but heaven opens. We have the opportunity to go there. Then we have to go through the journey with Jesus all the way to the cross. And it ends in sacrifice. That's when He enters in. We enter into heaven is in sacrifice. Well, this is all symbolic for the Gospel writers. The beginning is baptism. What's the end? Eucharist. Sacrifice. Blood. The beginning of our spiritual journey starts with baptism, in which heaven is open to us. The culmination of our journey is each and every time that we receive the blood of Christ. And slowly but surely, it turns us into Him. That's why John the Baptist says, after this happens, right, Jesus gets going and His ministry is off. And John the Baptist, still baptized, all of a sudden His disciples come to Him and they say, Hey, this Jesus guy, He's taking over. You're the one. He said, no, I told you I'm not him. I am not the Christ. And then he says his final words, which are the most powerful words that John the Baptist ever spoke, and they are meant to convey to us what is supposed to happen in the Christian life. He must increase. I must decrease. That's suppo- Baptism begins it, and then we slowly, he increases in our lives, increases in our lives, And our self, our wants, our pride, our arrogance, our desires decrease. And we slowly become Him. All of this, all of this happens in the Christian life. Jesus enters into the waters of the Jordan. The dirty, muddy waters. Have you ever been there? It's gross. I swam in the Jordan River and it's foul and stinks and dirty. He enters into those waters. And it's to symbolize... I mean, the Jordan was not a beautiful river. It's to symbolize our lives. This world is not always that beautiful. It's mucky and dirty and stinks sometimes. He comes into that so that we may come out and enter into heaven, which has been opened. What an incredible grace baptism is. What an incredible grace. And what an incredible gift the Eucharist is, which is the fulfillment of it. Don't ever take them for granted. You know, sometimes at baptisms, I always say to people, I say, look, the heavens aren't going to rip open. Okay? The church roof is not going to fly off. There's not going to be any doves. There's not going to be any thundering voice of the Father. But that doesn't mean it's not happening. Because none of the people saw it happen to Jesus, but it still happened. It's happening on a spiritual level. That's why the sacraments are visible realities that convey invisible grace. And what does it take to believe that? It takes faith. Absolutely. But the more you enter in, the more you decrease and He increases, the more beautiful they become. And that's why Teresa of Lisieux, Teresa of Avila, St. Ignatius of Loyola, John of the Cross, when they received the Eucharist, they went into ecstasy because they began to see the invisible reality. Because they had decreased so much and he had increased so much, they could see it. But it takes faith. It takes faith to really believe that what you're receiving is body and blood. That in a simple ceremonial washing, a ritualistic purification that we got from the Jewish people, who were the precursors to the fulfillment of Christ, that in that, Heaven is open. That in that, sin is forgiven. That in that, you become a child of God. 
But do we believe that? And that's why Jesus, and this is what I'll end with, He says, when the Son of Man comes to earth, will He find faith? 